0: Okay, my name is Brian, I'm, I'm one of the pastors, uh, I, the youth pastor here on staff, uh, and I get to bring you the last message of our series in Colossians. Um, we are going to be camping out in the island of Colossians 4, okay? I got islands on my mind because uh, we had some good friends take us to Mackinac this week, we've never been there, and it was tight, it's tight, man. Uh, it was nice and restful um, and, and praising the Lord for that. Uh, but before we, we go further, um, I just want to bathe this time in prayer. Uh, I just want to bathe this time um, before we get into just, look, Scripture sometimes is, is super deep. Sometimes it's, it, it, If I went to school for this stuff, right, so it, it's really uh, easy for me to just kind of understand uh, the flow of Scripture and the structure of Scripture and the background of Scripture. Um, and, but sometimes Scripture is super practical, okay? And when it's practical, it's so easy to overthink something that God's Word is saying. Uh, and this morning, it's one of those things where it's just super practical. It's right in your face um, where God is just saying, here, do this. Pray for this. Do this. Say this. Uh, And it's going to be one of those mornings. And so uh, let me just pray for us, uh, and then we'll get going, all right? God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that in all the Sundays we've been here so far, since the sun's been coming out, uh, it's been nice and cool. Um, I just want to praise you for that. Uh, I know secretly the staff and some other people are praying that it's, it's not treacherous while we're in here. I just want to thank you for uh, friendships. We just want to thank you that you give us air to breathe and, and just allow us to walk and live. Despite uh, what's going on in our lives, uh, God, you, you keep us alive. You keep us alive because there's something you want to teach us this morning. There's something you want us to hear, something you want us to listen to. And God, I pray for us as a church, as individuals who make the body of, of the living God, um, I pray that we can listen. I pray that we can actively listen to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Colossians. All right, um, there's a word, real quick. I, I want us to. I want to share with you. Is this word urgency? I think most of us understand what urgency is, but it's this absolutely this word meaning this absolute necessary action that needs to happen. There's a sense of urgency in all of us. Okay, the Apostle Paul, the writer uh, of this book of Colossians, he had a sense of urgency, and we're going to go, we're going to see that. We're going to learn what he was just had this urgency in him, uh, what that was all about. Uh, Before Apostle Paul met Jesus, his priorities and his urgency was towards the wrong thing. Apostle Paul, if you don't know who he is, he's a guy in the Bible who wrote uh, practically the whole New Testament, uh, 13 books out of the 27. And this guy used to kill Christians. Before he met Jesus, before uh, he, ever encountered Jesus and his gospel, Paul thought he loved Jesus. And so what he did to love Jesus was murder people who actually loved Jesus. This religious leader who was at the top of his game, who was at the top of the food chain of what it looks like to be a religious leader, Paul thought that it would be good to kill people who actually loved Jesus. That was Paul's urgency. His whole entire life was about, hey, what can I do to please Jesus? And one of the things he started to do as he got old and as he climbed the ranks of what a a religious leader is, he started to kill Christians. He started to kill Christ followers. So his urgency and his priority was to find anyone who was part of the way, part of Christianity, anyone who stood up to government and said, hey, do you love Jesus? Um, I'm going to kill you right now. Acts 8, we see him watching a guy get stoned by, because he approved of it. He saw a dude breaking the law. He said, stone him, kill him. Later in that book of Acts. Okay, if you want to know church history, Acts is one of the uh, a great book to, to read in the Bible. Later in Acts on the road to a town called Damascus, Paul encounters the true Jesus, the Jesus that he's always learned about his whole entire life. Right? It proves that knowledge is not in the heart. It proves that just because you know Jesus, just because you have a knowledge of Jesus, does not mean you have encountered Jesus. Paul is living proof of that. I know some of you have grown up in Christian homes and have knowledge of Jesus, but it's never been there. You could give us all the right answers just like Paul, but the moment he encountered Jesus his life was wrecked and he realized his priorities and what he was urgent about his life of killing Christians, he no longer he stopped killing Christians. You know what he did? He became a Christ follower. He became part of the church and you know what? He became an advocate of the gospel of Jesus because he encountered the true Jesus. That he had knowledge of. And my prayer this morning, my hope this morning is that it it goes from here to here. It goes from here to here to here. And to our feet. And through our language, through our actions. Knowledge of Jesus is great. But man, once it's in your heart, it's a complete different ball game. And this is what Paul had. He went from killing Christians to being the one who was about to die because he was a Christian. So we're going to see three things in here. We're going to see three things that Paul is asking us to be urgent about. Three things that we can apply and learn. And the first one starts in Colossians 2 uh, through 4. I won't camp out so much in verse 2 because Jim really touched on that. Uh, But starting in verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. On account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which how I ought to speak. First urgent request that Paul is asking the church of Christ. This Colossian church, the Christians here, uh, and us today, uh, is constant prayer. Can you please constantly be praying? Pray in particular for an opportunity or open doors of the gospel to be shared. Of the gospel of Jesus to be shared. So in just these few verses, can you sense Paul's urgent request here? He's saying, can you always be praying? Can you constantly be praying, please? Please. Not only just be praying for the things that you want. If you want a new car, uh, don't be, he's saying, don't, please don't pray for that. Please don't pray for food. Please don't pray for finances. Here's a part- particular thing he is praying for, right? He's saying, can you pray for an open door that I can share Jesus with someone? Can, can, can you please, on, on, on my behalf, can you talk to the Lord? and ask that an open door will be opened, open opportunities will happen so that I can share this hope I have in Christ. Paul is saying, his urgent request, he's saying, please, 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 can you please pray for open opportunities for the gospel to be heard? If you don't know what the gospel is, okay, it's also phrased as the mystery of Christ, the gospel of Jesus, uh, the work on the cross. Right? It's simply this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. Thir- it says, for I have delivered you to you as first importance. Here's what the gospel is. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with scripture. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to scripture. This is the mystery that the people in the Old Testament have been looking forward to. It's Jesus And Paul is saying, can you pray that there are open doors, open opportunities that I can share the hope I have in Jesus. That that I can share the hope that you and I can have in Jesus. Can you please pray for those opportunities that God may open to us a door for the word that I declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison for. I am in prison right now, but I don't give a crap. Please let there be open doors that the gospel may be shared, that the mystery of Christ can be heard. I don't care if it's a judge. I don't care if it's the executioner who was about to kill me. If I could, in a slight moment, if I have an, a slight little chance that I can share, the person who was about to kill me, if I could share with that guy about the hope that I have in Jesus, please, please pray for that moment. Do you sense Paul's urgency? He's saying, please pray for that open door. I don't care if I'm in prison for this thing. I'm asking that you pray for me, and asking that you pray for the missionaries who are out in different countries other than the United States, and he's saying, please pray for them. Because they're in a hostile world If I'm being honest, I I can't, I mean, I'm sure you and I, we can't relate to Paul. (laughs) We can't. You've never, you and I have never been to jail because of our faith in Jesus. You and I have never been to jail because we told someone, Hey, Jesus died for you. He loves you. He wants you to be with him in an eternity. We've never been to jail for that stuff. And I don't know if we're going to reach that in our lifetime. Maybe some other things, um, but we've never been in jail like what Paul is experiencing. Second, I don't think I would be asking people, "Hey, can you um, pray that an open door of the gospel can, that I could share the gospel with people?" The, the one, the thing I would be praying for is, "Hey, can you can you pray that I could get out of jail? <laughs> can you pray that?" Um, I have the finances, the, the whatever, money, just to get me out of prison, please. I wouldn't be wasting ink and sending my one letter home to my wife and saying, hey, can you pray that I could share the gospel? No, I would say, hey, can you, can you get me out of jail? <laughs> but Paul, he's in jail. And he says, of all the things he could ask, and write in a letter, he says, Can you open a door? Can there be an open door of the gospel? And my question to you is Do you have this urgency to share the gospel with your loved ones? And just anyone you come across? And the truth is, if we're really being honest, we don't. But what Paul is saying, he's saying we can. We can't have this, uh, this urgency where the gospel is at the forefront of our mind. We're sharing the gospel with our neighbors next to us, our friends who, don't have, who have known us for years and have never shared the hope of Christ. Man, he's saying, can, can you please put that at the forefront of your mind? And so we're gonna do that today, All right? Paul says to pray constantly. He says to make a list and be watchful. Um, you know, I have been praying for friends uh, since we've been in Muskegon um, for, for a while that I, I can have open opportunities to share the gospel. And I could honestly write on in my prayer journal and say, God, you answered this prayer because I got to share the gospel with this person and, and you're doing all the saving. And so here's the challenge I want us to do. Uh, if, you don't, if you have your phone or your notebook, um, I want you to th- write down two to three people, okay, in your journal or in, on your phone. I want you to write down two to three names of people in your life that you have not shared the gospel with or that you have to continue to share the gospel with, okay? So think of, think of two to three people right now and write it down. Second, we're going to pray right now for those open doors. You're going to pray right now for those open doors to happen. You know, when you pray to the Lord about an open door, an open opportunity for the gospel, you know he's going to give it to you. You know know he's going to give that opportunity where you have to speak the gospel. And so... Those names of two to three people you have, I want to give you a few minutes to ask the Lord and say, hey, can you give me an opportunity to share my faith with Bob? Whatever that looks like. And so a few minutes, I want you to speak those names, give them to the Lord, and ask for those opportunities. So just a few minutes, and we'll keep going. New people, if, if that was a, a weird thing for you to be praying for, for an open door to share your faith with people. Um, if you're new, if, if you've never heard about Jesus, um, this is going to be weird. But I just want you to know that you are the open door. If you're here and you have no idea what life is all about, if you have no idea who Jesus is, if your life is on the fringe and you're wondering, man, what is life all about? Do you under? I want you to understand that there is a God in heaven. There is a God um, outside of this world who loves you, who wants you, who wants you to be with Him. There's a God who has created you and I. And loves you and wants to love on you as his son and daughter, who is a perfect father, who is a perfect savior, who, while we were still sinners and in rebellion, he died for us. And in Romans 10:9, it says this: if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, that you can have hope now and after this life. If you confess that the Lord is who he is, and if you confess that he is your God, he is your king, you can simply be his child. You are the open door. You are the open door that the church has been praying for. You are the open door that we as a leadership have been praying for. So I'm sorry if that was weird. But the most loving thing we can do as a church and as friends is to tell someone about Jesus. The most hateful thing we can do as friends is not tell someone about Jesus. We have the greatest news in the world. Let's share that thing. Let's take those opportunities and share that thing with those two to three people that we prayed for second urgent request that Paul gives us okay he says can you pray for open opportunities second thing he says a little it becomes a little more practical he says walk in wisdom towards outsiders making the best use of time urgent request number 2 making make god honoring choices as you walk with non-followers of jesus outsiders is another term for non-Christians, non-believers, people who don't love Jesus. And here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, can you, can you walk in wisdom? Can you make the right choices that honor the Lord in front of your friends? Can you please do that? Because <laughs> I know for some of us that's super hard. It really is. Okay? It, it, it can be hard, especially if, you, if, if you're a brand-new Christian. It's really hard to, to stop old habits. But guess what? You can. By God's power, by his working in you, there's going to be something in you that's saying, man, this is wrong. And the Lord, it's up to the Lord. And, and what the 1% for you to make a decision and say, you know what, I'm going to honor God. I know I'm going to look weird, but I'm going to honor God in this. I might look cool sometimes, but I'm going to honor the Lord in this. And he's saying, walk in wisdom, make God-honoring choices. I love the verb Paul uses here. He's saying, walk in wisdom. He's not saying, sit down in the wisdom. He's not saying, sit on your booty and, and, just, and just and live for Jesus. No, he's saying, you want to live for Jesus? It's an act of faith. He's saying, walk, show your faith off. You have the greatest news in the world, right? Uh, the reason why I wear new shoes on Sundays or I keep my shoes fresh is because I appreciate, like for me, right, I want you guys to see the shoes, <laughs> right, on Sundays, and, and I, 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 my prayer is that uh, we have the same attitude that this gospel that we have is like a fresh pair of new shoes that we can show people and say hey look look at this new life that i have in jesus in romans 15:10 it says man how beautiful are the feet of those who share the gospel of jesus there's a reason why apostle paul says in ephesians put on that that armor that feet, your, your shoes, put those things on because if you're don't, if you not equipped for battle and you, if you don't have shoe, the right shoes on, it's going to hurt. You're going to lose that battle. The only thing that we have, this, this power that we have is the this, this shoe of the gospel and he's saying, hey, walk in wisdom. Make the right choices that honor the Lord. Can you please do that? And what's sad about Christians today, I think, okay, what What's sad about Christianity today, what's sad about modern day Christianity Um, is that Christians today, we look so much like outsiders today that the outsiders can't tell that we are insiders with Jesus. Can I say that again? The sad thing about Christians today is that we look so much like outsiders that outsiders can't tell we have Christ on the inside Guys, if Jesus is your Lord you got to show it off. Right? The la- the first two chapters of Colossians talked about that private life with Jesus, what he's doing in you. But in the next two chapters, 3 and 4, Paul is getting practical and is saying, okay, Jesus is doing a work in you. If you are truly surrendered to him, can you make that public? Can you please make that public? Baptism is one of those things. Sharing the gospel is one of those things. He's saying, can you, can you, can you do that? Can you make the right choices that honor the Lord? Look, if if you're a former drug user, do you know you could tell your friends, hey, I'm not doing that anymore? Um, I don't wanna go to this place where drugs might be involved. Can we go to Dr. Rolfe's barbecue and just eat and talk? Mark Carmine loves that place. (laughs) Sorry, Mark. (laughs) Second, right, if you're an alcoholic, this is how you know you're an alcoholic if you can't stop having a drink for probably a whole month. All right. if, if, if that's all you're thinking about. Um, if you're an alcoholic, you know you could tell your friend to meet you at a coffee shop. You know you could use your words and say, hey man, um, I'm, Jesus is changing my heart. I hurt people when I have alcohol. Can we just go to Aldea? Man, I'm doing them local shout-outs right now. <laughs> All right, can we, can we please just go to Aldea? Um, I'll have a coffee with you. I just can't be around alcohol. That's making the right choice. I mean, you know, if you struggle with pornography, um, if you're numb to pornography, you have a porno- pornography problem, okay? Okay. Um, if your friend wants you to watch Game of Thrones where there's a boob every other episode, every other minute, right? Can you tell your friend, hey, uh, I'm trying to respect the Lord. I'm trying to respect his daughters. I'm trying to respect his sons. And those images are are, are not helping. Um, can we watch something else? Can we watch the sermon when it's uploaded? Right? easy. Walk in wisdom. It's knowing what's right and wrong. It sounds easy, but doing it is a whole different ballgame. You know why I think it's, it's hard for us to, to make wise choices? I think we try to make Jesus look cool. Do you understand that Jesus does not need your help to look cool? Do you, know, do you understand that Jesus does not need your help to be relevant? Jesus has been relevant for 2,000 years. We're still talking about him. People are still trying to cut down what Jesus has built up. People are still trying to go against God's word for 2,000 years and plus. He does not need your help to look cool. He does not need your help to stay relevant. There's always going to be Bibles. Whether they're selling them or you're going to see some in the trash, Jesus will be relevant he does not need your help to look cool. He's cool. He's relevant. God's love does not change through the years. It is the same. Have you noticed our world goes in a whole dang circle? The stuff that we struggle with goes in a whole dang circle. What you what you struggled with, whether you're 50 or 60, right? What you struggled with your kids are struggling with the same thing in just a different level. Jesus is relevant. He will stay relevant through the end of time. He does not need your help looking cool. So stop trying to look relate to outsiders so much. Be an insider of Jesus. Let that insider stuff that's happening in you, let that be the outside stuff that's actually happening you. Let outsiders see that, man, you love Jesus and he is changing you. You, okay, here's here's what I hate, okay. Yes, you make right choices, okay, but it's not because of you. It's because of Jesus working in you. Jesus changing you is not by your own ability. It's because Jesus is showing you, man, that was wrong of, of you. Do you get this? That Jesus does the work in you. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, please continue doing that work. I'm going to fail, but please keep doing that work. It's not because of what you did that you're a better person. It's not because of what you did that you are saved. It's all because of Jesus. Your marriage, if it's on the rocks, Jesus saves that thing. It takes two to do that thing. It's not because of what you did because of what Jesus is doing. It's because of what Jesus is saying to you through other people, through your counselors, through all these people. Stop taking credit for what Jesus is doing in you. I know that's a hard concept because we're doing the, like, the actual stuff, but because Jesus is encouraging that stuff. Third thing. Third and final request. We want to prayer. We want to walk, make make the right choices. Third and final request it says this let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. That you that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let your speech be beneficial and life-giving. Third request: let your speech Be beneficial and life-giving. Paul says, let your words be gracious. Okay, let your words be gracious. Let them be beneficial, please. Not everything we say, all right, even though it might be right, um, is beneficial at at that moment. Um, I'm guilty of this. I stand for what Jesus is saying. Like I, I go to an extreme of man... If COVID caused you to hide in a hole when true persecution happens, are you going to live for Jesus, right? My mind goes there, okay? My mind automatically goes there. Are you willing to die for your faith? Are you willing? It doesn't matter what viruses are in the world, um, what, what laws are passed in the world. Are you willing to die for your faith? Right? My mind goes straight there. And that's I think it's right. Uh, because that's what the Apostle Paul, if you sense his urgency, he's saying, I don't want you to pray for anything else. I don't want you to pray for my life. I want the gospel to be heard. And in that same thing, right, that's where my mind goes. is saying, I am willing to get shot for the gospel of Jesus. I am willing to lose a finger for the gospel of Jesus. Yes, I have a wife. I'm willing to die for Jesus, and Jesus will take care of my family. Um. But there are times during COVID where I've said the wrong thing. Um, Truthful, but not beneficial in that moment. The other phrase Paul uses, he says, seasoned with salt. Salt was a preservative to prevent anything from spoiling. Okay, Um, it was to give life to food for a longer period of time. And he's saying, hey, let your speech, the words that you say, let it be beneficial. Not only that, can, can you make sure it's life-giving? Can you make sure that um, that conversation you have is seasoned with salt? Can it be salty? And look at the stuff that he uses. Notice the word he says. It's not a blanket statement to all people. He says, each person you come across, may your speech be beneficial and seasoned with salt. May it be life-giving. So the question I want uh, to ask you today, because it's really... A, hard to have salty conversations, uh, especially in the climate that we're in. And so I just want to hear from you guys. What makes a conversation be salty and beneficial? Yeah. Fruit. Okay. Speaking truth about the Lord. Other stuff. Being kind. Wrong. Wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's Jim, so <laughs> what what are speaking truth and love. All right. Um I love the answers. Okay. There's not a wrong answer. Um but in order for a, a conversation to be salty, it has to point back to Jesus. Because he is love because he is kind, right? In order for a conversation to be salty, it must be pointed back to the life giver, to the salt giver, to the guy who gives beneficial stuff because we are Christians, right? What makes a conversation salty is when a conversation gets constantly pointed back to Jesus. Um, Man, I... uh, I've had the opportunity to mentor some middle school kids out in the middle school uh, right down the road. Um, if there's a guy, if there's a big guy that ever approaches you and says, hey, can you help mentor uh, some kids who don't know Jesus, please do it. Um, and so this week I had the opportunity to just really be with three kids, uh, three kids around our neighborhood. Uh, this kid, his brother died due to just just gang violence, okay, and he saw his, his brother die right in front of him in his house. Um, so I've, I have had this opportunity just to be with him. I was only supposed to meet with this guy one time, uh, once, uh, not once, but just a single person, but his friends were out there and it was like, you know what, let's go play basketball. So play played basketball uh, for about two hours with these kids and my intention was to share the gospel. My intention was to have salty conversations. Um, I learned about their life. I learned about their siblings. I learned about some of their past. Um, I took his shirt off because I wanted to see the gunshot wound, right? Uh, all things which were good, but for some reason I froze when it came to this to sharing Jesus with them. The conversation was really, really good, but the moment that opportunity where I could share the gospel happened, I froze. I look back at the time and I'm saying, man, the conversation was good, but it was not salty. And I'm praying, to this day, I'm praying, man, God, please, man, be bold about my faith. Because this kid could die at any moment. This kid could get shot at any moment. And if I don't share the gospel, what was this all for? Salted conversations lead back to Jesus. Salted conversations lead back to Jesus. You could have good conversations, but in order for it to be salty, it needs to lead back to the life giver. Guys, I'm going to knock something real quick. Relational evangelism. (laughs) This idea of grabbing a drink with a buddy and trying to share Jesus with them, with the right? doesn't work. It's stupid. It's not sharing the gospel. Relational evangelism is not sharing the gospel. So let me read this quote really quick uh, by a pastor, Matt Chandler. He says, so relational evangelism, he says, go for it as long as it turns into actual evangelism. Uh, you hanging out, having a beer with your buddy so you he can see how cool Christian uh, – So he can see that Christians are cool is not what we're called to do. You're eventually going to have to open your mouth and share the gospel. Sharing the gospel is what true evangelism is. It's not grabbing a drink with your buddy. It's not trying to make him look cool. And Paul is saying, hey, you want salty conversations. You need to lead it back to that thing. Guys, Jesus says this about us. If you are a lover of Jesus, he says this about us. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? We could have good conversations for years. And you know what? That thing will be unsalted like Lake Michigan. All right. But Paul Paul is saying, Jesus is saying here, he's saying, man, you want salty conversations? Bring them back to Jesus. Pray for open doors and opportunities. Second, okay, make the right choices when you are with your buddies. I challenge you today during this week, that you will pray with a coworker in the parking lot, in the lunchroom. Can you do that this week? And not not only just do that, can you, can you tell us that you did that so we could celebrate that? Can you pray for your food at lunch? If you're a construction worker, can you pray with your buddies and say, hey, can I just pray for our food real quick? If you're a parent, can you pray with your kid tonight? because people are wondering what you believe in. They wanna hear from you. Yes, Jim and I are paid professionals, right? Our job is to um, do stuff for the church and for the Lord. Uh, But your job and call, just like Jim and I, is to share Jesus with people. That's not solely our job, that's yours. Be salty today. Be salty, not like a jerk, but be salty, pointing things back to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask, I just want to lift up all the names that we had, um, and we have opportunities to share the gospel. We have opportunities to pray with our buddies, with our coworkers. We have opportunities to really show off our faith for your glory. Um, I thank you. I thank you for your cross. I thank you for this mystery of Christ, this gospel that we have, that it saves us, that it tells us that we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. Greatest news that we have. Help us to stop trying to make the gospel look cool. You're cool. You're relevant. So, Jesus, may you give us opportunities to be salty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.